Welcome to the Salted Podcast, where we are translating and transforming our view of politics, pop culture, and personal preference. In this episode, we answer the question, does the Bible really prohibit us from using recreational drugs? Let's go find the answer. Let's go get salty. Welcome to the Salted Podcast. My name is Yon. This is Dan. And thanks for joining us. Episode number... 19 i believe we are approaching our one year anniversary of making episodes which is pretty neat yeah so if you've been a long time listener thanks for joining us on this episode and today we're going to talk it's always weird what we start out with a lot of energy and then it's like welcome to the salt podcast we're going to talk about death recreational <laughs> drugs and yeah. the thing that's destroying our society so uh, but that's what we will talk about and if you stick around to the personal preferences section you will hear about whether or not processed sugar or caffeine is the preferred drug <laughs> of the masses yes for normal people by the masses you mean you and me yes so you'll hear about that yeah uh, but like i said this that's episode funny. we're talking about primarily what we are kind of framing as recreational drug use and how do we as Jesus lovers um, and people trying to live a biblically principled gospel-centered life approach the concept and topic of recreational drugs and the use of recreational drugs. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you think, Yon, that, that if, you, if you're kind of a long-term, long-time traditional, or I should say a Christian who's been a part of the traditional um, church, I mean, maybe I should clarify, right, if you're like a traditional, um, mainstream, um, maybe Pentecostal holiness type of church, you know, that's kind of my background. Yeah. It, traditional? It, yeah, okay. yeah. 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 <laughs> it wouldn't seem that this is even a talk. Uh, um, the only thing that you would expect to hear is that we're just condemning. Yeah. Don't do this. it. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Just say no. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, we're going to take a look at kind of We'll frame the arg- the conversation around, well, what is a recreational drug? What are we even talking about? Um, what are the different categories? What are, um, you know, what are the impacts? Who's using them? And then how do we, what's the framework in which we make decisions as opposed to just simply saying, well, we might land on just say no, but just instead of saying, no, I'm not going to do it because that's what sinners do. Um, we're going to kind of look at it and say, well, why is it, what are some of the biblical principles that might inform how we would yeah. actually approach these? So. And it helps us, I think, better grasp uh, why, um, well, I mean, in my lifetime, in your lifetime, we're, ex- we're, we're experiencing something right here, right now in our culture, where we had drugs that were at one point illegal, sure. are now legal, Yep. right? So in, in, in the most um, surface way, that's one reason why this topic is interesting exactly. or, yeah. or, or worth talking about. Yep, exactly. And so, um, and you may have also seen something I saw recently um, with these videos of what they're calling like the, the zombie, the real life zombie apocalypse yeah. where they are taking um, videos of what I, the one I saw was on Philadelphia and the, um, just the driving down the street, looking at the people who are in, who are addicted to drugs and they look like they're zombies. They're all slouched yeah. over. They move super slow. It's I like, I did see that. And yeah. I thought, I don't know where mine was filmed, uh, but I did think to myself at the time, it seems so uh, like dramatic and so outrageous. I I had some instincts when I was watching it. Like, uh, is this even real? Right. Yeah. It's like Are these is real this, people. Right. It 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 feels like it's a like it is something out of a post apocalyptic yeah. movie. And uh, I mean, we have someone who who um, asked for money at the stoplight, and someone we were just I was talking, and they said, "Well, this person dropped something, and they moved so it was like a sloth, like moving so slowly." And it's like, oh. well, this is a real like it's not just in Philadelphia, driving down in the, in the inner city. It's kind of everywhere that this type of thing is being um, this type of you know drugs and the use of recreational drugs and the abuse of it um and so we won't focus entirely on that but it is a huge deal and also because recently um i think the u.s hit a hit a benchmark an unfortunate benchmark of we passed a hundred thousand dollar a hundred thousand dollar a hundred thousand deaths uh of overdose drug overdose for the first time uh, in from from april of 2020 to april of 2021 no kidding so never have they gone, has it gone that high? It's a, it's oh an increase of something like 28%. Oh my goodness. So 
Now, do you remember hearing about this kind of thing when we were entering into the pandemic shutdown and all that stuff? Do you remember hearing yeah. some of the uh, people that were predicting that this would lead to, you know, such and such, right. you know, yeah. one, two, and three? And one of the things that I remember hearing was that it would lead to drug overdose, suicides, and it's kind of like, yeah. really? Yeah, it's pretty. And then yeah. here we are with the numbers. Exactly. And so and so as Christians, we're, like, we're thinking you know, there's a very broad spectrum, and we'll talk a little bit about this, of what these recreational drugs are. Yeah, because we're not talking about illegal drug use right? yeah we're, yeah we're not talking specifically we will talk a little yeah, bit about specific. about like about heroin and fentanyl and where those things fit into it but there's also the you know the things that would be you know less scary or less uh, dramatic on the on the statistics and that's like stuff like like recreational use of marijuana and stuff, yeah. stuff like that okay. so but kind of i guess to frame the conversation what do we mean by a recreational drug um yeah. and so Really, the idea is that, you know, a drug, right, the definition of a drug is that there is, it's a substance used in a diagnosis, treatment, or prevention of a disease or as a component of a medication. Okay. So, and it goes on to say that essentially a drug is a chemical substance such as a narcotic or hallucinogen that affects the central nervous system, causing changes in behavior and uh, when misused, often addiction. So the oh. idea that you know the the a drug is usually prescribed and it's a controlled substance prescribed by a medical professional to treat treat diagnose prevent a disease, but that it is such a thing that it causes a gotcha. n- uh, you know a central nervous system change a wow. chemical change. Okay. okay, so that's the definition of a drug. So what's a recreational use of a drug? Is a drug used without medical justification <laughs> for its psychoactive effects? often in the belief that occasional use of such a substance is not habit-forming or addictive. Right, that's so straight that's, from the de- So that's yeah. um, recreational. That's recreational. That's straight from the dictionary, right? So you just don't have a medical justification for using it in the way you're using it, but it is psychoactive, uh, but it, it's not you know, going to be a habit-forming uh, or addictive. So and it says the belief yes. is that the occasional use will not form addiction. Correct. yeah. Oh, boy. Yep, and so that's kind of the, the starting point in the conversation is, okay, well, if that's what it is, um, what does this even look like? Um, and so there's like, there's so many different, I mean, I started researching this. I'm like, holy cannoli, there's a lot of different types of drugs and different is, categories and is stuff. Is one so, of them Instagram? Yes, exactly. <laughs> we have a whole episode on that's that right, too. We so do, yeah, we do. if you want to talk about how the brain neuroscientists are getting at the same dopamine hit that Talk you might be getting addiction yep yeah uh like being addicted to the salted podcast i know that's a thing we're contributing to this negatively so <laughs> recreational use of the podcast we apologize for not doing this daily podcast by the way the increase in uh a, the addictive increase of the salted podcast listening is up a hundred percent since the beginning of last year yeah it's pretty incredible. We're proud uh, that we're we're dealers. That's right. right? Um, so I guess what are some? What, I guess what are the categories? We won't have to go through all of them, but you know, there's a couple couple different categories of recreational drugs. Um, whether just so we can frame the conversation. Um, first is an idea. There's stimulants. That just means it's like an upper. Like it'll stimulate you if you take this drug. Like cocaine is a stimulant. Uh, amphetamines are a stimulant. That's something like Adderall. That's a, a general saying, hmm. hey, I need to help maybe help focus. Oh, yeah. Um, Adderall is something that um, is prescribed. I, as saw a, a, I saw a documentary on Adderall. Well, I think it was actually on amphetamines or the the widespread and dramatic increase in the use of AIDS pills to help someone get through, uh, all these students get through school, yeah. get through college, take their new job, their careers, uh, and and the amphetamines were were a massive hit of focus and energy and so on. Yeah, I can. I mean, I didn't use them, but I can imagine in the world of distractions, trying to sit down and write a dissertation. Ugh. You know, some medical, <laughs> some illegal recreational drug use would have right. been helpful in terms sure. of being able to focus. But um, so amphetamines. Uh, then there's methamphetamines. Um, these are kind of obviously closely related to an amphetamine, mm. but this is like, it's a, it's, it's essentially like a, a synthetic version. So like meth, like mm. um, crystal meth, it's like a glass like substance that you crush up and you can snort it, smoke it, inject it. Um, but that's something that's a, you know, it's a synthetic drug that you can create easily. I mean, Breaking Bad, one of the mm. widely regarded best shows ever made is all about a, a crystal meth dealer. So, and this, and the recently, there's there's a surge in drug use, and it's meth, right? Yep. A lot of the a lot of the um, 
issues that we're facing, life-altering issues that we see happening in the, uh, whether it's the club scene or in rural U.S., right? It's it's mostly meth. Yeah, yeah. It's like my, my brother was a prosecutor in a very rural town, and he said the drug of choice for the people in the cities was essentially heroin, but the drug of choice for the rural community was primarily crystal meth, just mm-hmm. because of its its inexpensiveness and... Um, Inexpensiveness a word? And no, but maybe I'm... Maybe, maybe you're creating yeah, a new word. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Innovating We're here. talking about stimulants and drugs here, okay? Right. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're allowed to scramble yeah. up our letters. Uh, did we, you know, are we currently, you know... Anyway, so there's de- stimulants, that's an upper. Yeah. Another category is depressants. Alcohol falls into that car- category. Uh, barbiturates and benzodiazepines, whatever that is. But, um, you know... That's kind of prescription meds, sleep medication, Ambien and yeah. stuff like that. Um, those are all depressants. Now, I don't think lots of people are abusing their sleep medication, I think, statistically. But, you know, that's the other category, yeah. depressants. I feel like I'm flashing back into eighth grade health class. Yeah, sorry. Um, and then you got opiates. This is kind of one everyone knows about. Heroin is an opiate. Fentanyl being one of the oh, most yeah. prominent. Um, what is that? You know, that that's... Um, that's what I hear when I hear these reports of, of these overdoses and they were, people were saying, oh, they wouldn't have done it on purpose. And then right. you find out, oh, it was laced with yeah. fentanyl. What, what is that? Yeah. So, so just as a comparison, if you don't know, heroin is, uh, is a naturally, um, forming substance from poppy seeds, right? So it, um, so it's a natural form of an opiate. A fentanyl is a synthetic opiate, uh, and that is that it's, it's man-made, but it's 80 to a hundred times stronger than morphine. Oh. So a pharmaceutical fentanyl was really kind of developed for cancer treatment, okay. um, but it is added to heroin to increase the potency, or it's essentially the dealer cuts their fentanyl into their heroin to make their, they could perceive like their heroin is better than oh. it is. So a higher grade heroin. with a, So when something's laced with fentanyl, it means uh, it was added on purpose to create a, a more intensity potency. Right. And so that the buyer is unaware of it, but essentially, you know, if you're a dealer and you have a lower grade heroin, you increase that you don't get as good of a high. So gotcha. you lace it with some fentanyl, oh. you cut it, you know, and then you, you know, the person Ooh. has a better high. Yeah. But it's, problematic for a number of different reasons yeah. but um, and then so other opiates you know prescription painkillers oxycontin there's a huge thing on oxycontin and you know some of the the drug companies and you know purdue pharmaceutical there's huge lawsuits against them and um, about how those were prescribed but those are generally the gateway to a lot of the heroin and fentanyl use and then lastly but hallucinogens and this is um, these are the fun ones i guess i don't know but um LSD is a hallucinogen, mushrooms, and marijuana technically is a hallucinogen. Some people think it's a depressant, kind of mellows you out. It does have that effect sometimes, but um, most commonly abused drug in the world is marijuana. It can act as a depressant, stimulant, even a hallucinogen, right? So these are the categories, you know? So these are the drugs that we're even talking about. And you might think, okay, thank you for the the health lesson, the, the... I'm now you would have a doctorate in your pharmacy, uh, your street pharmacy. But these are what we're talking about, right? And these are, well, how do we even engage these, and how do we use them, and are is it is it you know how do we approach the the use of these things in a non-medical uh, way um, as Christians? Um, and so the question is really good. So maybe some other things are who's actually using this stuff? Like okay, there's all these categories, but who's using it? Um, and you kind of, you kind of, when you think about who's using it, it, it would be a mistake, wouldn't it? You want to think that the only people that are using this are people that are strung out, that yeah. are criminal activity, right? right? I mean, yeah. that's why we're doing this because that would be a complete misrepresentation or a misimagination if we're making up yeah. words of what, of who the kind of person is that's using yep, these. Yep, exactly. This is not a, yeah, this isn't a, you know, I grew up in the inner city of the biggest, like of Mexico city. And there's like, or the, you know, the favelas of Rio. It's like, huh. this is everyone at all the time. And it's available to everyone in suburbia. Um, and wow. some of the, the highest, um, you know, highest, um, like price point for residencies and stuff like that. But, um, so who's, who's using it, you know, um, percentage of usership kind of all adults, 9% of all adults, um, I guess, engage in the use of marijuana. Wow. And this is an interesting one because, you know, the decriminalization, the legalities of it is, you know, kind of changing uh, in the U.S. But so we're basically talking about 10% of our population yeah, here. One out of 10 yeah. people. I mean, for our purposes here, we're talking two, 
and about uh, our own church family we'd be referring to. Sure, yeah. It's fair to say, Yeah. uh, I don't think there's a distinction here, it's fair to say that one out of ten of our church family would be either um, um, occasionally using one of these substances, actually the top two here, or, um, or regularly using. Yep. So marijuana and prescription stimulants. Again, stimulants kind of falls into that uh, category of, you know, cocaine, amphetamines, methamphetamines. Nine nine out of 100 people Mm. are uh, are using it. And of all drug users, they both come in at 46% of people who are using drugs are using these two. Gotcha. um, You know, 7% are opiates. All adults, 7% are um, abusing um, opiates in a non-prescriptive manner. Um, Math, 7%. Prescription meds, 6%. Heroin, 3%. Cocaine, 2%. Right. So um, people are using it. People are using these these different, wow. uh, engaging them in a non-medically diagnosed way. But And why is this kind of concerning um, statistically? Um, or who else is using it in terms of like male or female? Like 22% of males and 17% of females use illegal drugs or misuse prescription drugs. Mm. Um, so it's more, more males than females. Um, 5% of people in non-metropolitan areas um, and 20% percent of people in larger metropolitan areas so rural areas have less people using than um, urban areas uh, and then ages 18 to 25 39 percent of the people uh, 18 to 29 25 years old uh, are engaging in these uh, in using these drugs so if you're if your age demographic is 18 to 25 four out of ten basically four out of ten of your peers yeah are using mm-hmm. yeah exactly you see this this is the kind of thing that i thought we might uncover you when we uh, picked this topic right we what the idea that if you're not using four out of ten of your peers are right yeah well then if you're if you're the one who's not then you got yeah you're like five out of the nine right, remain right. are not that's right so, so and then if you're older right you 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 um you see here 26 to 29 years old it's at 34 percent. right so, so it goes down a little bit right um some of the stuff that says i mean if specifically youth i mean we're, i mean i'm a parent but i'm not a parent of a teenager i think my kids aren't old enough to procure um dr- drugs i mean i'd be a as little bit impressed know, as far like, as you know i'd be a little bit impressed you if my should. two and a half year old is, <laughs> is i'd be like okay we got a burgeoning entrepreneur here we got how do we how do we um fan this flame but um 47 of young people use an illegal drug by the time they graduate from high school oh man so that's 50 percent right wow uh other users within the last within the kind of the way this study was done is that five percent of eighth graders when, the, when this study was done, they said in the last 30 days, 5% of 8th graders had used it, 20% of 10th graders, and 24% of 12th all right. graders. All right, so that is 49% of all 8th yes. through 12th graders. Right. By the time they graduate high school, they will have um, used an, an illegal or recreational drug. Yeah. Right. And then it says in the last 30 days, it's yeah. 49%. Yeah. I mean, that you know, that is 50% of students what else do they do yeah. watch tv yeah you know uh check out social media um hang out with friends i mean yeah i don't I it's don't, huge yeah it's it's, it's huge it's it is the i don't worry about a lot of stuff as a parent but this is one of the things that just yeah. scares the crap out of me in terms yep. of how do i protect I, I will lock my kid in a box for the yep. next 25 years and yeah but i'm with you um Right, but then so even more even for the for for kids, right? Seventy percent of the users who try an illegal drug before the age of thirteen, so seven out of ten who try an illegal drug before the age of thirteen develop a substance abuse disorder within the next seven years. Oh but by goodness. the time they're twenty, seventy exactly. percent of them have a substance exactly. abuse problem. Exactly. That's that's that old I mean, remember in health class talking about um, um the gateway sure, yeah. drug, right? And and wasn't it marijuana they say oh, is the yeah. the gateway drug and yeah. of course it's not um, it's not as devastating as, say, maybe cocaine, heroin at the time. I grew up in the crack era. Yep. But uh, it was always labeled as the gateway drug, right? Yep. Which which mm-hmm. this says, it, if you use an illegal drug before the age of 13, there is a 70% chance, right. 7 out of p- 10 people, who are um, 
have substance abuse disorders started before they were 13 yeah. in the illegal drugs. Yep. And again, if we, if we look at this statistically, like what's the illegal, quote unquote, you know, illegal drug that they're using right. or recreational drug, yeah. it is, it's probably marijuana is yeah. probably the highest percentage of people wow. who are using it. Um, I mean, if you're, if people who are very big, um, and we'll talk about this in a bit, but who are advocates for marijuana and how it's not as bad as people think, um, would argue with the idea that it's a gateway drug, but looking statistically um it has some you know it it there is some evidence or a lot of evidence to to indicate that using these illegal drugs before the age of 13 is problematic it does make me curious what that argument would be like what's the argument that it's not a gateway drug i mean i'm sure these people have some reasonable numbers and so on i think yeah i think the perception we may talk about this in in a bit but the perception being marijuana is not as addictive um, relative to some of the other things like the opiates and stuff like that but um so again as we said this is becoming problematic when you think of substance abuse disorders because we've had over a hundred thousand people have died from a drug overdose in that april of 2020 to april of 2021 the first time the highest it's ever been i think the first time it's crossed the hundred thousand person mark which is a 29% increase from the previous year. And in the last five years, that's a 100% increase. So the the amount of people who have died from a drug overdose in the last five years has doubled, mm-hmm. which is bad. And 64% of that is represented by fentanyl. So, and another interesting thing, just last thing on the statistics, but the U.S. government seized enough fentanyl in 2021 to deliver a lethal dose to every single American <laughs> in the country. Oh my goodness. So you've received they've you know, they've they've seized enough to kill everybody in the country. Um, but so it's a and so you're looking at this whole list of statistics, whether you've stuck with us, whether you're lost. I mean the whole point of this is is that people are using it. Um, lots of people are using it, and it's problematic, sig- severely problematic when the younger people start using it. Um, and the question then becomes, well, they're not all, what's the other side? We try to kind of be balanced on this. And, um, as someone who has not, you know, I've never taken, I've probably taken a painkiller, right. But I've never, I've never smoked weed. I've never done cocaine. I've never, never done crystal meth. It's, you know. Well, Yon, I don't know how you feel justified talking about this. I shouldn't. This I know. Topic. I don't even. We should have. We should have just prefaced it with that, and you could have all stopped listening because I clearly have no frame of That's reference. Right. Um, probably a lot of that has to do with my upbringing, but then also being a Marine for thirteen years, getting drug yeah. tested on the regular, and their zero tolerance policy didn't want to ruin my life in that way. But um, yeah. So, well, what's the other side? Like, why are these? Yeah, why are there, these drugs good? Is there know. another side? I mean, clearly the the, uh, the people that we refer to. Uh, who wouldn't consider it a gateway drug? Obviously, there's some very intelligent people, sure, I'm sure, yeah. in the medical field as well, who would say, "Hey, calm down, calm mm-hmm. down. This is not, this is not right. all bad." I mean, right. what are their thoughts? What's their angle on it? Yeah, it's uh, so. I mean, there's some obvious things, like for example, prescription drugs. Like, I mean, if you've ever been in pain and you need something more than an over-the-counter ibuprofen, then you know, a prescription painkiller is something that's hugely beneficial if you have serious pain right whether it's um whether it's chronic pain whether it's um you know if you have a back issue that you can't really resolve i mean pain management is not it's not a bad thing it's just the way in which (laughs) these drugs are being prescribed is probably the problematic i remember when i was having surgery on my hand a few years back deciding that i wasn't going to take any of the prescribed oxycodone that was (laughs) given to me I was just gonna really um, kind of sail through it, grin mm. and bear it through the use of um, um, ibuprofen. Right. And then, like two days into my hand pain, I was thinking, I might, yeah. I might just give <laughs> sure. this a little try. Here. Where's that button? I need to push yeah, that red exactly, button. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I started popping those uh, oxycodone pills for a couple of days, and it definitely took the edge off it. And and I actually stopped taking them only because at the time. I wanted to drive. I mm. wanted to kind of pick up and sure. start start doing things for myself again. But um, yeah, I remember I remember at first believing they didn't do anything, <laughs> and then in a couple of days later, feeling like yeah, I kind of they kind of are sure yeah. All my yep. problems went away. You owned for two days. That was pretty great, huh? <laughs> you <laughs> forgot that you put your hand in a snowblower. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, personal preferences section. Do you prefer putting your hand in a snowblower yeah, or not? We're using the tool. Yeah. 
So again, painkiller is not necessarily bad. Um, there, you know, um, there's some studies, you know, stuff like attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is a diagnosable thing. And Adderall is something that helps with that. Right. So, um, a prescription drug is not inherently bad. It's just the, the application of it. Um, some studies indicate that THC, which is the main kind of, um, what would be classified as maybe the hallucinogen in, in marijuana is, you know, helps with physical, mental, psychological issues. Mm -hmm. Um, so is that CBD oil you see is all over the place. Um, and then some studies indicate that hallucinogens help with PTSD. There's some people who do studies with, um, you know, with, with LSD and mushrooms and stuff like that, that, Hmm. that create, they're not sure how, but it it seems to maybe rewire the brain of some people who've got some post-traumatic stress disorder. So there's a segment of our population uh, educated uh, informed who believe that these very substances help people sure yep yeah and it's the idea that it's it's um you know the controlled substance um is that they would like to do some research and say well maybe these what would they would consider a naturally occurring Mm. substance like a mushroom or a or you know a hallucinogen of marijuana or cbd is a is a has legitimate medical benefits, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and some of it is kind of playing out. So, yeah, we see it. Um, but then we, I mean, the other side of the question is, well, okay, well, why would, why would someone do who who's advocating right for the use of these things recreationally? And right. um, just to, I did some research and it said because marijuana is such a, a, a the most popular by far use. And I, I just Googled like, why should I smoke weed? <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, that's um, going to be a hilarious evidence right. in your browser history. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I did it on the church <laughs> yeah. network too. Is so. that Yon in the zombie right. village yeah. all hunched yeah. over there? So I got, so he I mean, did it on the yeah. church computer. So <laughs> 15 <laughs> states have laws permitting recreational marijuana use. And so internationalhighlife.com gave us, 10 reasons why we should oh smoke weed. Gosh, so I'm why ready. should we <laughs> engage with this? I'm ready. At the, listen, if you're one of my children, please uh, fast forward. Right. Yeah. So again, we're again we're trying to be objective. Um, and someone who doesn't have a lot of experience doing this is I'm going to take internationalhighlifes.com's word for it. So uh, number one, why should I smoke weed? Um, it's fun. Evidently it's fun. Um, something that I don't necessarily understand a lot. Um, I don't, I guess it's, I don't know. I, I would, I could be alienating people who've, who've smoked weed and do think it's fun, but I haven't, I just think it's strange that every time I think of people smoking weed, they're in like their basement and hanging out on a couch and I guess it's fun. I don't know. Dude, Wayne's World, those guys had a blast. Yeah. I mean, some of those, yeah, like Pineapple Express, some of these movies, I just don't quite get the, the weed culture, but it, I'll take people's word for it. It's fun. Number two, it lowers stress. Again, we kind of talked about that. It's a stress reducer. Um, sometimes you get that that depressant uh, category of weed that will kind of lower your stress. Number three, they said sat- sativa will boost energy, sativa being a specific strain of marijuana, so it will actually be an upper, so it will give you a boost of energy. It's a stimulant. Uh, indica, which is another variant, uh, will help you sleep better, so that would fall under the, you know, the depressant category again. Um you get a creativity boost. Some people swear that they got to get high um, to to be there the most creative when they get high, which is some of the stuff around LSD and hallucinogens as well. Release pain. Again, there's a pain management uh, piece to it. Number seven, it's increasingly accepted. So I don't know how that fits into why you should do it, but it's yeah, increasingly yeah. accepted. I guess the, the stigma of people who smoke weed and right. being a non-contributing member of society is going away. So you so, don't have to fear being stigmatized cr- as much. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yep. Yeah. Um, number eight, treat depression. We kind of talked about that. Some some PTSD and stuff like that uh, has been kind of linked to helping with that. Um, social connections. It's a social unifier, um, evidently. We watched, I heard a couple of, of guys um, talk about how it brings them together, but then other people talk about how kind of when you smoke weed, you kind of retreat, retreat retract from social um interactions but so i'll take it international high life's word for it and then number 10 is no hangover so it's better than alcohol because you don't have a hangover it's better than uh, other recreational drugs because you don't have that withdrawal part really Hmm. and then they gave us a a ps and they said well snoop dogg and dr dre are both (laughs) both smoked all the time and have a combined net worth of one billion dollars so if they can 
become billionaires, then, I mean, why not? That is hilarious. So that's our best attempt at trying to think of, well, what's the other side? There's some legitimate medical reasons. There's some, there's some other reasons why you, why you would do things recreationally. But I think a lot of them would say, well, it's, it kind of goes back to that initial definition is I use drugs recreational because I believe that it's not going to be habit forming or it's not going to be addictive in nature. And it's just, there's lots of benefits to it with not a lot of drawback. Um, it's probably what I would think is probably the base level, um, reason for why recreational or illegal or using drugs in a non-prescribed or a, you know, a controlled substance in a non-prescribed way is, is, is a good way to, to go. So, so that's really kind of, where we are and what the world looks like and how this is how we're actually interacting with this topic of recreational drugs and um i guess maybe illegal drugs not using them in the in the way that they're they're made so now you get the job of telling us what the bible actually says of how we're going to engage this topic with biblical principles in a gospel yeah i mean yeah for sure so you here's what i've kind of and i think we've maybe we've said this young for a bunch of different topics that we uh, have episodes on which is you know initially my thought is this topic can't be ignored or Mm -hmm. avoided right especially if you're raising a family or if you're concerned about what is happening in our culture um so there is a biblical worldview that helps us navigate this topic and you may not come up with some of those top 10 reasons why you could or should use a a recreational drug but it's understandable that there are people uh, who you probably know and work with maybe even work for or work for you who are regular recreational drug users yep so if you belong to God and you see the world with a biblical worldview and you're trying to make a difference, uh, or as we say on our podcast here, you're trying to salt the earth the way that Jesus said that believers who belong to his kingdom ought to do, you have to have some clarity on this topic. Um, and kind of some, uh, let's say, unhelpful way to, way to view this is just to believe or to say or to tell your kids right off the cuff instinctively, don't do it, hmm. right? That's, yeah. That doesn't hold up. We want to pass our convictions on to our kids, right. pass them on to people who we're making disciples of. And so what are the convictions? How do we develop them? Uh, and, and, and I'm going to, I'm really on this topic. When I think about how should Christians uh, think about recreational drug use on this topic, I want to start by prepping our listener. And, and here's how I want to start by prepping you. There are biblical principles in the Bible. There are principles. And there's also prohibitions. And this topic, it, it's my conviction, uh, based on my own life experience, my own wisdom, you know, my own, my own leadership role that's given me privy, you know, I have some inside experiences with people. And also in my biblical study, on this particular topic and others related to this, there is no biblical prohibition for recreational drug use, right? So you're not going to be able to turn to Scripture and verse, and you're not going to be able to see that God forbids the use of substances recreationally. Stop the count. That's right. Stop your podcast right now. (laughs) That's right. That's the answer. (laughs) Yeah. So, and and obviously, if you're a wise parent uh, with experience, uh, or, or if you're, a, or if you're just somebody who had parents who tried to nail their convictions into your mind by saying, "Don't do it," "Just say no," "Avoid it," uh, "It's bad, bad, bad." That isn't necessarily winsome. In other words, you don't necessarily inherit those convictions from your parents. Right. You kind of rebel from those. So, but it's important for us to recognize the reason that we do that is because it is not there is not a known clear biblical prohibition so on this topic we use principles hmm. instead of prohibitions so that's that's the kind of the overarching way so, i'm going to approach this so yeah. so there's three principles and the first principle that i wanted to mention is that everything god made is good uh, genesis 131 there's this description that god is kind of overseeing overlooking everything that he has made and he decided and then declared that everything he had created was good mm. so a lot of these drugs that come from or, or use the word procured right that they're kind of procured from the earth have natural god created elements that make the the uh, active ingredient work in our system right, right. they're yeah. not when you say synthetic what that means is unnatural right it's yep. chemicals that are created yep 
and, and, and you have to identify or you have to you have to make a distinction for those synthetics because the rest of the category is natural right right and we could probably list all the natural elements so we have to we have to be careful that we don't condemn as bad something that God has created and is naturally good right yeah right so so Genesis says um, that none of this stuff right um, the the hops in the beer the grapes in the wine the um the the le- the leaves in the weed you got your poppies or or just take caffeine and sugar right so biblically these things are not inherently bad right yeah. so it's not correct to tell our kids that if they are around or they're consuming these natural substances it's it's wrong to tell them that those are bad right right it's easier but it's not correct yep um so so what does that mean then for these natural substances uh for christians who are concerned about salting the earth adding flavor approaching things in the world differently than people who are outside god's family what that means is really there's two two ways to approach this what this means is if you consume you consume in moderation and that uh, you have to decide if you're going to approach these substances that way consume in moderation mm. or avoid an abstention mm. that's that's a practical way to consider in these particular in this particular category of natural substances am i going to consume them and if i am it's in moderation sure and if I'm going to avoid them, it's going to be complete avoidance and abstention. So I, I hope that's helpful when someone's trying to think, what am I going to do with caffeine, beer, wine, weed, poppy, sugar, sure. and whatever else? Yeah. Well, if they're not bad, I still have to decide if, if I'm going to consume right. them in moderation yeah. or if I'm going to avoid them right. in abstention. And that's principle number one, right? That's the starting point, right? Exactly. You got a couple more, right? So if someone were to turn it off right now, they'd be like, oh, well, I can yes. go consume. Yes. I can go get some heroin and consume it with moderation right yeah yeah kind of maybe by building it this way that's principle one hopefully we maybe build some tension in here yeah (laughs) you know but wait there's more but wait there's more so principle number number two would be this all things are permissible but not wise Hmm. or um the way that paul writes this he's writing to the church at corinth and he said sure i'm you say to me well i'm allowed in my christian freedom to do anything Mm. right i have liberty i have what we call in the christian faith christian liberty i have some freedom of conscience to kind of pick and choose on my own things that are not prohibited by god it provides me some principles but paul says back you say i am allowed to do anything but basically he says i say not everything is good for you. Hmm. So you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Right. Right. So you have the freedom to do it, but whatever you're doing may not be good and it may not be beneficial. And then he says, you know, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it belongs to him. So you get to make the choice. Okay, so I'm free to do this, but is it permissible? Right. Yeah. Um, or I'm free to do this. It's permissible. Um uh, yeah, not permissible. Is it wise? Sure. Right. So I have permission to do this. It's 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 a, it, it falls in the category of Christian liberty. But is there wisdom in doing this? And 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 we've got an entire book of the Bible on wisdom, basically saying here's all the things you could do, but in Proverbs it says here's the wise thing to do. And if you do the wise thing, oftentimes good things happen to right. wise people. Not always. We've got the book of Ecclesiastes and, yep. and Job that says otherwise to provide balance to that. But the premise is this. That if you use wisdom, and this is actually in the book of Proverbs, uh, the man who uses wisdom, things go well for them, right? Mm-hmm. That that they are able to control some of the controllables. So the question is, even though I have the freedom to do that, is it really wise? Right. And 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 that's kind of supported with this idea that that Paul teaches about being sober-mindedness, mm-hmm. yeah. being being sober-minded, right. and it kind of goes hand in hand with this idea of substances or chemicals or the use of recreational drugs, right? Um, if you are full of a substance, let's just say, we'll, we'll pick alcohol sure. as an example, yeah. right? Alcohol is natural. Mm-hmm. It's not prohibited in the scriptures. Nope. But if you're full of the substance, alcohol, Paul or the scriptures teach us that you, you can't then be full of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Or he or what he says is, instead of being full of alcohol or drunk, mm-hmm. be full of the spirit. Right. So he's making this distinction between being sober-minded 
and full of the spirit or out of your mind and out of it. Sure. Right. Yeah. Full of spirits. Yeah. Almost, almost. I just thought of that. Did you? Yeah. Thank you, spirit. Wow. For, for the for the joke, for the wordplay. <laughs> See, if you were full of spirits, you wouldn't even have come up with that. You That's would, true. You wouldn't have been had the sober mindedness to do it. I think so. it just illustrated exactly what I'm saying. So, so, you know, the idea here is that if you are living your life mildly drunk, it's impossible sure. to be fully alert yeah. to reality. And this yep. is this is kind of a this is a critical um, point that Paul makes when he's writing the, uh, to the church at Thessalonica. And what he says is, we are in urgent, difficult times in right. our history, and there is a end that is near where Jesus will return. He'll, he'll meet his church in the air as he's, as he is returning in his, in, in the second coming, he is going to arrive. And Paul basically says, redeem the time. The days are evil. There's mm, a lot to be done. Sure. You should be sober minded or whatever. And what he's saying is if you are not sober minded, you are not redeeming the time. You're not living in a way that leverages and takes advantages, takes advantage of the limited time that we have on yeah, earth. Yeah. And that in the, in order to be fully alert and fully alive, that the return of Jesus is near and imminent and it's real. Um, Yep. It, that's impossible to do that if you're mildly drunk, you're right. not sober-minded. You know, weekend after weekend, I was just telling Raquel, uh, my wife, um, you know, I feel like at Stop time, smoking weed. Yeah, no. <laughs> just say no. Yeah. I was uh, explaining to her that, you know, as I kind of age, I, I, I've, I feel like my whole life is just going from Sunday to Sunday to Sunday to mm. Sunday to Sunday. And there's yeah. so much in between that I'm just having a hard yeah. time absorbing because it's going so fast. Yeah. But now at this stage of my life, I almost feel like I'm going from Christmas to Christmas to Christmas right. to Christmas. Yeah. Like the years are vanishing, yeah. right? And the challenge is, in. I mean, it, it, I think that it's it's like infinitely more difficult if in between that I'm not sober, sure, yeah, right, or yeah. I'm or I'm I'm kind of uh, yep. hyped up on some sub, sub, yep. some substance yep. or something. So there's just a wisdom question, right. right? Can you do it? Sure. Is there liberty? Of course there is. You have your own conscience. Yep. But Paul eventually says, and again, this is a biblical principle. Well, sure, there's permission, but is it really is it really wise? And so, what does that mean for a Christian who salts the earth? Again, we go back to. Should I be consuming in moderation, yeah. or should I abs- avoid in abstention? Right. Yep. And I mean, I don't, and I've said this recently to, to several different people that when this kind of topic comes up, I don't drink. I choose, even though I can, to drink alcohol in moderation. I choose not to. And right. the reason is I am concerned, at times fearful, sure. but I am concerned that I might like my draft beer and my white wine right, yeah. as much as I like my coffee. Yeah. And, you're and the brewing in your garage. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. Exactly. And we all know that craft beer is a gateway drug. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So I have concerns not in being like a necessarily being an, an inpatient drunk. Right. Yep. What I have concerns about is I have kids, I have responsibilities, I have friendships and, and things that are on the front burner of my mind that need attention, my marriage, my family. And I, I believe that although it's permissible for me, it's not wise to be battling a potential substance. Sure. Yep. And um, I'm afraid that I would like it too much. Right. And, and, I, is, and I would fail yeah. to, to maintain my own sobriety and have an alertness in my mind that I need every day. Yep. And a lot of people, I mean, we talk about alcohol, and, but then the question is, well, what about weed and stuff like that? And really when we think of, okay, well, you know, the idea of sober mindedness, and it seems as though um, people can consume alcohol, myself included, consume alcohol and not get drunk, right? And not, and still maintain your sobriety, your sober mindedness. And a dis- key distinction and dif- differentiator from the from maybe marijuana is that generally people smoke to get high right and so there's no real you know there's not it's essentially you smoke and then you get high there's no there's no smoking weed where you're not really in a state of sober-mindedness um, and now people who probably smoke weed might dip might have a difference of opinion but um, I, I tend to think and from what I've heard is that you know, people smoke weed to get high. And that's the, the difference between like an alcohol. And then when you go down the other, like down the spectrum of what comes, some of these drugs are, it's like, you can't, 
you can't use heroin in mm-hmm. moderation, right? Because you've you've lost your sobriety, yes. your sober-mindedness instantaneously, right. and people aren't using exactly. those drugs recreationally. Um, it's different than that from alcohol because you can you can engage al- and use alcohol and still maintain your sober-mindedness. Now, yes. the, if you've ever drank, you know that you know that can change quickly depending upon what you're drinking from one moment to the next. You're like something hits you and then you've lost your yes. your sober-mindedness. Right. Um, and so it all goes back to the wisdom piece, right? What's beneficial? What's the right. wise thing to do? Like my dad does never drank because he had a grandfather who was a drunk and ruined yeah, his family. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so that's I mean, it. Doesn't it's not a sin problem in right. terms of right or wrong. It's a I'm not going to do it because I'm not going to ruin my family's life potentially. Yeah. Right. And so and you know, I don't trust myself. Right. I yeah. mean, I battle constantly. I battle. Um, issues with um, the temptation to overeat, to find comfort in my food. Um, you know, all, like normal people, sugar, um, uh, what's the word? Sugar, um, um, I don't know if the word is balance, but uh, the limit, right? Finding sure. my limit yeah. with whatever uh, food that amps up my blood sugar and, you know, sways my energy all over the place. But if I don't trust myself to handle my carbs, yeah, and I don't trust myself really to handle my sugars. I, I do not have any confidence in myself to handle my uh, stimulants or my no, it's my true. depressants or yep. or what have you. So, uh, and, and and the same. I just use coffee as an example. It's a caffeine in and of itself. It is good. It is not bad. But man, managing my caffeine intake, right. stopping after my body starts to tell me, "Hey, uh, that's enough," yep. is a real battle. And so, uh, I'm content battling caffeine and sugar. I don't want to add. Uh, layers of complicated substances that I'm right. trying to battle. This is also why the conversation, the biblical principle kind of um, transcends the idea of it being legal or illegal, right? I mean, I spend a lot of time in countries where, I mean, they have in Afghanistan, for example, their Tylenol is laced with codeine, right? So it's what is a controlled substance in the United States is legal. And so we just saw guys drinking codeine, codeine or Tylenol bottles everywhere, right? Mm. And so this principle transcends wow. the bibli- or the, 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 the idea that it's legal or illegal, right? It is the sober-minded conversation of even if you are prescribed a medication and you're, you know, you're allowed to use it, quote-unquote, it's legal for you to use. You're not yeah. recreationally using drugs. It's, yeah. okay, how does this affect the, my, my sober-mindedness and the wisdom to do it? And right. um, which is why the biblical principle kind of transcends, especially the current day conversation of, well, it's legal. So that puts the stamp right, of approval on it right. as opposed to, well, I mean, that changes from country to country. And how does that line up with the overall umbrella biblical principle? So. Right. Yeah, that's true. And maybe, you know, I just thought it might be worth pointing out that we aren't directing this conversation at people who are prescribed medication. Sure. Right. These are people. This is this is a conversation around the recreational use by choice. Yep. And the problem, but, but lots of people who are, there's wisdom in understanding the principle because as evidenced by the statistics, most people who fall into a life altering drug addiction, specifically in heroin and stuff are, they started in their, in their prescription Oxycontin, um, their prescription opioids. Right. And so they, you know, without, you know, it may be right or wrong legally, but that's where the addiction started. And then it bleeds over into, I can get, I gotta, I gotta, get my fix in a in a less controlled in le- less expensive way and i go and find it in heroin or fentanyl in the streets so yeah, yeah yeah so true so so there's three principles i've told you too one is everything god made is good that's one principle second principle is all things are permissible but not wise and the third principle is good things can't ever be god things mm. what do i mean by that well there's this idea biblically that we can see over the course of kind of like you know, a kind of a thread or a pattern in Scripture which describes these things that are good in the earth. They are people, they are person, or they are people, or they are things that uh, are good, but somehow get elevated in our lives as God. Mm. What do I mean by that? They're kind of like you can kind of describe as a functional savior, sure. and a functional savior is is who or what I turn to when I need comfort or who or what I turn to when I am building an identity, mm. when I am, um, when I am constructing myself, my, my, uh, reputation, my, the perception of, of who I am. 
and functional saviors are typically good things work family spouse achievement um they are areas of comfort and um you know there's just limitless examples of of things that are good that we elevate into god things and by god i mean they control the way i spend my time they control what i say they control the way i behave they control my money the way things the way i spend uh, my money and in other words, I'm 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 trusting them to save me. Yeah. I'm trusting them to comfort me. Mm-hmm. I'm trust. And now, can you think of anything more specific, Yon, that uh, someone who's a recreational drug user is at risk of than turning to the substance sure. to to comfort me, right? To make me feel better, uh, to somehow make me forget about things that I need to. Yeah. Um, have in the front burner of my mind, uh, right? I might have a relationship that is severed and I need to face it. It's creating bitterness. It's harming my inner life. And I need to approach that relationship with wisdom and perhaps either seek forgiveness or, or um, find forgiveness. And yet with a substance, I'm able to avoid that because yeah. the substance is comforting me yep. or, or, or keeping, keeping yep. the whole issue. Yep. Yeah. And I've heard that from people who, again, Marijuana is an easy one to talk about because lots of people um, use it. But the idea of I just like, like help me understand why you like it so much. And it's just, well, you know, I'm just hanging out and watching the game and it helps me mellow out. Yeah. You know, and the question then ultimately becomes, okay, well, why does it, like, why are you unable to kind of relax and, and yeah. where's your rest and where right. why, sure. all of these things that are like preventing that rest from actually happening. Um, it's just, you know, it's, it it goes right into that functional savior category of I'm unable to rest in who God is and into yeah. to, and to, to, you know, all sorts of stuff. But that actually, it actually prompts my, um, my, my, my memory on this idea that I remember talking through with somebody one time about the difference between desire and dependence, right? Um, it's one thing to desire that substance, let's say, um, marijuana sure. to yeah. rest, it's another thing to be dependent upon it, right? right. So yep. I may desire caffeine, I may desire sugar, I may desire, I mean, all these other different substances that we've talked about and mentioned, I may desire them. Uh, at some point or other, that desire very, very easily and without us ever detecting it becomes dependence. Right. I need it to rest. Yeah. I need it to deal with people. I need it to, and, and in the, the, the economy of God's uh, creation, those things become functional saviors. I need them to function. Right. Rather than my hope, my joy, my peace, my rest, who I am, and all my satisfaction and gratification comes from Jesus alone. Right. And when we replace Jesus with our spouse, our family, our work, our achievement, our comfort, our uh, you know, when our hope and trust is put in someone or something, we are what the Old Testament describes as spiritual adulterers. We right. are turning to and depending on a spiritual mistress instead of depending on yeah. God. And those lines, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, someone who is occasionally using recreational drug or is, you know, sipping a wine or, or enjoying an adult <laughs> beverage once in a while makes the leap all the way over to dependence, Sure, yeah. you know, overnight. But man, those lines get blurred so fast. And, yep. and like I said, I have a hard time managing my carbs. I can't imagine trying to manage, um, you know, the sensations of getting high a little bit yeah. or getting drunk a little bit, taking the edge off or a buzz. You know, it just creates this real questions about, man, is this wise for yep. my life? So, And the hardest thing is when you would deal with and engage families who are facing this crisis and have people who are lost to these addictions it's even more difficult for almost sometimes for them to put their hope faith and trust in god who loves them and like loves their families and loves their 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 kids and their dads and their moms and their grandparents and everybody and anybody who's who's just trapped in uh, life controlling addiction so yeah i have a lovely friend who is an advocate for um addiction recovery and uh, she's she supports an organization I'll mention here in a minute. But she has said to me several times, it's easier to be the addict than to love someone who's addicted, yeah. than to love the addict. Yeah. That's more complicated. And, and I used to be a very, very uh, engaged in that show called Intervention. And I actually had to stop watching it because the sadness transferred. It was just such a yeah. tragic ending of almost every one of those episodes. And and um, so if you're one of those families or you're one of those friends, our 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 heart 
is uh, heavy yeah. with how difficult and how challenging losing someone to an addiction is. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I can't think of a more hopeless situ feeling or situation, you know, and I've, and I've fought in a couple of wars, so I just oh. can't even like, I, I, for, for, yeah, like, like you said, if, if there's families and people going through that, um, that Terrible. is the hardest part is to trust that there's a good God who's in control oh, and it's like, exactly. Goodness. And the level of fear and confusion and, yep. and terror inside of a family. Now, if, if that's you, or if you know someone and you're, you're trying to care for an addict or you yourself are battling, you know, some of these things that we've mentioned today, uh, we do, we would love for you to, uh, turn to some crisis hotline. I'm familiar. I, I mentioned my friend, um, who was an advocate and, and uh, she would vouch for a website called Road to Recovery CNY with the number two in it rather than the letters Road, the number two, recoverycny.com. And uh, this is one particular path you could choose to help you or your kids get the proper care for uh, opioid addiction. And um, this Road to Recovery pays for addicts, addicts who are trying to get clean, who need additional care or additional treatment beyond 90 days. Oh, yeah. So uh, this would be one way uh, for you to find funding for that. And if you're listening to us and you've got a family one member or a loved one who is suffering with substance abuse, you don't have to guess what step to take next. You don't have to guess about how to get help. You can find any Al-Anon group. You can find any AA group and get started um, right sure. away. Yeah. And, you know, again... And the main message of Road to Recovery CNY is you're not alone. You don't have to be alone. You don't right. have to stay alone. You don't have to recover by yourself. And if you need help getting treatment beyond the state, county treatment centers of however long they are, right, 60 to 90 days, if you need longer treatment and more support, that's one place you can turn. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, that's a, again, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a potentially life-changing issue for lots of people but it's also for some of us and lots of us it's not it's the it doesn't fit in that category of i'm a i'm a hopeless addict and it's become something that's a it's a total functional savior in my life but ever as we've said lots of people are using recreational drugs using drugs in the non-prescriptive way using controlled substances and we as christians bible believing principled but gospel center people need to know you know, what are some of the approaches to it and how do we get, how do we approach it as, as Jesus followers? So, um, now to the personal preferences, I mean, Dan and I are raging hypocrites, everybody, because we are both, I don't know if we're addicted to these things, but caffeine and processed sugar. And the question is maybe if you had to give one up or if you love one better than the other, um, where do you fall on that debate? Yeah, I mean, I don't even think it's a debate. I think it's obvious. Um, so you're, you're talking about which one do we prefer? Yeah, which one do you prefer? And then if you want to go more extreme, which one would you, if you had to give one of them up, which yeah. one would you give up? I was, Did I say processed sugar? Do I want the processed sugar? Is that what we're saying? Not yeah. added sugar? Yeah, yeah processed yeah. sugar. And yeah. then the other choice you gave me was caffeine. Yep. So, Yon... I'm going to provide some uh, silence here for our listeners to track here with how difficult this decision is. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think I would hold on to my coffee. And here's what I'm thinking. It wouldn't take long without sugar for my body not to crave sugar. Um, and I don't want sugar dependence. Of course, I don't want caffeine dependence either. But I don't mind the impact of a moderated amount of caffeine mm. through my coffee. I enjoy the whole, the whole scene. So, um, I would welcome caffeine through coffee. Uh, and I would, um, I'm forever trying to find ways to minimize and, and, right. and control my sugar intake, process sugar intake. Yeah. See, that's the trick is that if this is essentially someone's going to take away my processed sugar and I would naturally say, yeah, of course I'd prefer that because then I would no longer be allowed to eat it. But when you think of quality of life, I'm thinking, well, if I don't have any processed sugar, I mean, is that even a life worth living? <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
That's such a good question. <laughs> we should do an episode on we that. We should do a whole Is episode Is life on... worth living without processed sugar? Well, that's where we leave you, dear listener. And um, feel free to hit us up on all of our social media feeds. That's a joke. We don't have any. Okay, so you can maybe look us up at North Central Church. Um, but um, Can you imagine someone looking yeah, for, these, I I for the last for yeah. six episodes so, every time you reference that? Uh, may, yeah, at least. The joke is every time we refer to our social media feedback and our tweets yeah. and our listeners that are responding, there is no yeah, way to respond. <laughs> <laughs> Which we're, we, we're actively thinking about fixing, <laughs> but yeah. not actively doing anything about it. So uh, thanks for joining us. Do like us, do subscribe, do share us, uh, rate us on whatever you... Um, if you're on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. But uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks so much for checking out the Salted Podcast. You can find other episodes and topics on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Make sure you click follow so you'll get notifications whenever new episodes come out. Thanks for listening.